Hello and welcome to today's Unpacked Short. I am joined as always by the wonderful Peter Franklin. Hello. But today we're particularly excited to also be joined by our special guest all the way over from the great US of A, Henry, our flyover editor. Good to be here. Welcome. Right, so today's Unpacked that we are further unpacking on this short is entitled Pinkerism, Populism and Progressophobia. Peter, why are we talking about this? Okay, well, this is based on a article by John Harris of The Guardian. Now, John Harris is um, very well thought of amongst his colleagues, not least because he's one of the few journalists to properly go out into the rest of the country, which apparently exists beyond London, believe it or not. Outside of the M25? Absolutely. And he actually goes and talks to people, which is even more amazing. He he doesn't actually go to people who study people. He goes to the people themselves. And so he's able, although he's he's a, a Remainer, very much a Remainer, he's a man of the left, and I guess the liberal left, you could say, but he actually shows some understanding of what life is like and the you know where people are coming from when they vote for brexit or you know and then he extends that understanding to america and the sort of people who voted for trump not as a defense of trump but as a defense and an effort to understand the people who voted for him because you know the mainstream mainstream politics isn't working out for them and so i guess the reason why you chose this article uh, or one of the reasons is because um he is reflecting on the fact that there was a a moment in the wake of the Trump election uh, and also the Brexit result where what he calls so-called progressives actually um, were reflecting and were trying to, or at least thought they should try and understand how we'd seen these upsets, but that that is no longer the case? Well, that's what his argument is, is that a moment has passed And um, now what we see from metropolitan liberal elites is um, a sort of anger and a contempt and sneering at, um, you know, Brexit land voters. And there's a great quote that you use where he says, the underlying worldview is simple, whatever the economic context, one part of society is seen as racist, stupid, nostalgic and brimming with senseless emotion, while another is logical, enlightened and forward thinking. Uh, Henry, do you think in America we've seen a similar shift away from trying to understand to just simply saying you're just a load of stupid people and you know we need to teach you? In America, it was always a mixture of both, that the center left and the left, uh, there was a number who never wanted to look. They never wanted to divert from that original viewpoint. Uh, and then there were some who started to. Uh, but with the apparent fall of Donald Trump in the polls, they are now back to uh, the position that there's nothing that we can learn here. We're going to win, in their viewpoint, in 2018 by talking to ourselves, increasing our turnout, and talking to educated women in high-income metropolitan areas. And if that's not condescending to the people who they are leaving behind, I don't know what is. And what about, so if that's the left and center left, what about 
the right. So what about the Republican Party? Because clearly there is a sort of divide within the Republican Party where, you know, you have the Trump faction, if we can call it a faction. Is the broader Republican Party uh, more sensitive to the plight of those who live in flyover country? And indeed, can you describe for us what flyover country looks like in America? Well, I'll answer the first question uh, first, is that in the United States, it is much like what you have here, which is that a voting base uh, for the Tory party and the Republican party is composed of lots of people who uh, want change and have been economically and socially left behind, while just as here, the members of parliament who are Tories are disproportionately urban and uh, disposed not to be too friendly to that point of view, the same is true in the United States Congress, that most of the sitting Republican members remain hidebound in their viewpoints, and that is a huge tension in the Republican Party. There are some intellectuals and a precious few members who are beginning to come to grips with it, but um, most of the Republican establishment remains in denial, uh, as is evidenced by a piece in the Wall Street Journal that criticized Marco Rubio uh, for daring to suggest that maybe we should uh, use government to pay for family leave, and isn't that a violation of all conservative principle? On um, the question of flyover country, there's really two types of flyover country wherever you go in the developed world. There's the one that has been looked at more closely, which is the place where the future happened yesterday, where economics, uh, economic situation is difficult, where new construction is uh, not seen because this is the place that was hot in 1920, but it hasn't been hot in decades. And people so kind of where globalization and automation and all these kind of big trends that we're talking about have, have already hit. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, so places, you know, like the mining and industrial communities in England or in Sweden, uh, places like rural areas that uh, are, are, are can't compete uh, with small factories or small family farms. You know, you, you'll we'll go in these places and you'll see the visible signs of neglect and, and despair. But then there's the places, and this is where they get some of their voting strength, who to, they are similar people who are in more prosperous areas, and they have not yet fallen down. But they feel socially disconnected, they feel socially disrespected, and they feel that they are next, that their neighborhoods, their lives, their livelihoods will be next because the people who are in charge aren't looking out for them. These are in Sunday's Italian elections. That's the middle class suburbs around Rome. Uh, in the United States, it's white working class areas or in and around all the major metropolitan areas. You'd go there and you'd say, what's wrong? And then you'd talk to the people and you'd find out what's wrong. And so really the, the, the truly unheard. Um, now, Peter, I mean, in that first um, type of flyover community mm -hmm. uh, that Henry described, you know, that would be, I, I guess, is where we find uh, what's been coined the deaths of despair, you know, the opioid epidemic, the suicides, the, you know, the, the kind of real sort of desperate challenges, um, which brings us back, I think, to the point in your Unpacked where you're talking about the optimist's view of the world and, and particularly uh, the work by Pinker. Can you just tell us or explain at least kind of why you're challenging that view? Well, John Harris really has a go at Stephen Pinker um, because he sees Pinker's work of boundless optimism and that progress is still delivering and that, you know, we should all be delighted with actually the way that the world is going as kind of the, the intellectual cover that metropolitan liberal opinion has for, for ignoring the plight of the outgroups, um, the left behind, and, and the sense that 
you know, actually, you know, you've got nothing really to complain about. So what on earth are you doing trying to pull the whole house down? You are just being emotional. You are just being spoiled. You are being, you, you know, you are the true saboteurs here. Um, and um, that's if you believe the Pinker ground narrative, which is partly correct because worldwide we have seen a great diminution. Dim, dim, um, a great reduction in in in, um, in hunger, in 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 poverty, in, in yep. child mortality. Yes, there's lots of good news, but if you look over the last generation or two for working class life in this country, um, in in parts of America, then actually the the you know it, it progress is hard to notice in many respects smartphones don't make up for the fact that you know um, family and community breakdown is a real thing and uh, a lot of jobs that once gave people self-respect have gone and i mean you point to um uh, i guess what you could describe as a bit of an irony that um we saw in the uk the general election um theresa may lost her majority and you point out in your impact that theresa may was a remain voter and also that in in the kind of what you describe as the moral victory of jeremy corbyn um that the moderates of the labor party were weakened and so essentially those very people who are wanting to see you know the liberal elite stay on top um are actually almost kind of undermining their own their own progress. Yes, I mean they accused um, the the Brexit voters, the Trump voters, of acting out of pique. Well, the way they behaved in last year's general election, sort of depriving a Remain prime minister of her majority, strengthening the likes of Jeremy Corbyn's control of the Labour Party. Um, well. <laughs> That was out of peak. That wasn't really rational. And I think in America, insisting on selecting the one candidate that Trump could beat, I think that was pretty irrational as well. I don't know if Henry agrees. Yeah, I was going to say, Henry, I mean, in choosing Hillary Clinton rather than Bernie Sanders, I mean, was that a mistake for those people who, who want to see a kind of, you know, the, the status quo continue? Um. They, in retrospect, yes, but they never contemplated much as the Remain campaign never really contemplated the possibility of losing. So for them, it was a safe bet. They think they thought you know, that Donald Trump was unelectable, that there was no way he could win, so consequently, it didn't matter who they put up with. But the other thing to remember about the American election is it's not a singular event, is that the Democratic Party was electing delegates to their convention all along. So it wasn't a matter of getting together in July and saying, oh, we can't put her up, because she was being getting things that were le delegates that were legally bound to support her. So it's different than the United Kingdom, where you would select a party leader to contrast. You know, in New Zealand, for example, the Labour Party was doing terribly in the polls six weeks before the election. They dumped their leader and elected a 37-year-old woman who... Whirlwind. Whirlwind, who is now Prime Minister of New Zealand. America can't do that because they don't have that singular moment when they can change their leadership. And I, and I remember reading, I think, that Donald Trump's own pollster thought that had it been Bernie Sanders that he was up against, then uh, Bernie Sanders may well have beaten him. We're going to unfortunately have to end it there, uh, although I, I have to say I think this is one of the, the 
most fascinating conversations actually to have and and you know that irony around the liberal elite sort of you know shooting them their own selves in the foot is is something that you know we should definitely reflect on um can i say thank you so much to my guests peter and henry uh wonderful to have you over from the states henry um and thank also you. thank you to uh james coney who produces our podcast please do subscribe if you haven't already on whichever the app is that you use to listen to your podcast and please do rate us if you have enjoyed the discussion today